I would like to be watching basketball right now. But I can't. It's 421 on 422-23. And uh, I have this nifty little thing where I uh, can't stand commercials. <clears throat> and really, really enjoy watching basketball all at once. Uh, a lot of us have been doing it for a while since VCRs. Anyway, I'm pausing all the games. In my world, uh, the Nets have potentially 648 left in their season. Dinwiddie is bleeding. We're going to a break. And uh, I'm using that time to just pause everything. Let it all roll up. Clippers and Suns is happening somewhere out there. We don't we don't need to. I bought records. So it's gonna be a, a, a mostly NBA free podcast for all, but then we'll get back to severe NBA content, both in written and podcast form as the long weekend expires. Uh but I was I was sitting here killing time that done with Denver. I can't say mired in Minnesota because I unmired myself. I demired. Re re dis dismired from the temple. God's done with basketball. And uh Well what happened is I I I looked up US not US fifty two, yeah, fifty two which is a street that goes through Lafayette, Indiana, where I've lived for almost 20 years. And it uh, starts in Canada. It just started in Indiana. And it's supposed to end at the 41 going north on the west side. You guys know what I'm talking about. The west side of Illinois. <clears throat> uh, going north. Old 41, uh, the big 4 one uh ends in Fowler. You know, Fowler. But then it was extended, goes all the way to Canada, and then uh, Charleston, South Carolina, on the other end of it, uh, because this country's uh, government used to tax people and build us nice things. Sorry, build other generations nice things. Anyway, I was I was inspired to do that because I was trucking along the Ohio River on uh, Friday, as I do, and. Uh, Found a mention of California, Ohio, which I noticed when I was trucking along 52. So clicked on that and then found out the Riverbend. That's where Riverbend is. Now, if you don't know Riverbend in Ohio, it is just like uh, with baseball stadiums. They, they built the same stadium in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and uh, Cincinnati and St. Louis. Uh, they did the same thing uh, for places to play for old boomers. And uh, they built them all in the 80s and 90s. And uh, we all saw Lollapalooza there when our parents weren't on vacation. And uh, it's, it you know, we still go see him from time to trying to think of the last Shed concert that I saw. <clears throat> you know, you got your Steely Dan's, you got your, you know, nothing you're, nothing you're really super, we can, you know, my, my, my wife, I almost called her my girlfriend because I should have. We joke about it, but she's been to Ozfest, and I don't. 
you know, I, I, I know the whole warped Ozfest crossover, but it's just that goth influence that I wasn't around for. It just hit. Anyway, the late 90s were tough on all of us. I, I was looking at that in the river bend, and then I uh, I found a, 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 a story about Jimmy Buffett and how he played there a million times. And then before that, he played at the, t- at the where the King's Island is, the smaller river bend, a proto river bend, if you would. And uh, please do. And uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. So this whole we really like Jimmy Buffett and think he's relevant and good at music thing. I knew it started in Cincinnati. We moved there and everyone was like, this is Jimmy Buffett town. And is he from here? It's one of those things like John Denver's from like Pittsburgh, but he's all about Colorado or something. Is he from here? And you're just like, oh, he represents the great Cincinnati ideal to just go and live in a in a in a in a seashell, in a in a conch shell and uh send coconut telegraphs. That's another thing. I happened upon the coconut telegraph Wikipedia. You gotta do the Wikipedia run on these guys because you just gotta follow their arc. You can go down to the Discogs section, that's fine line by line but that's so clinical you gotta do it you know this whole thing is gonna be about linear linear or linear i i, I saw linear she was she's where she, you know we left her outside patrick's bar and grill uh he's got an album called coconut telegraph which for which the incongruity is i dig it okay it's your thing Ka-ha-ha, coconut telegraph it's a telegraph but click 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 it's a coconut okay fine that's your jimmy buffett this is who you are. On the cover, there's no coconut. There's no telegraph. There's a there's there's incongruity again. There's a there's a phone booth. Urban. A link to the outside, but it's on like a dock on a white sandy beach, and there is Jimmy, not sending a telegraph, not coconutted up. Just it's a different album title okay and then you go back to another one and he's got an album called living and dying in three quarter time or three four time i don't know depends on if you're from northern kentucky or southern ohio apparently (laughs) i went down to see a larry carlton concert in cincinnati on friday it was great i had a great time maybe we'll talk about it in the middle of it uh i thought anyway that's why this is very cincinnati themed (laughs) He's on a boat. So three, four time is like, is it waltz time? I don't know. Is that one of the weird ones where it's like five, four times? Like, how can it be more than the four? What is that? Everyone that was at the Larry Carlton concert last night could tell me the answer to this question. Every single one of them. And even the partners that did not know music theory or how to read sheet music or any of that uh, could probably tell me because their partners had explained it to them over and over and over again uh so but that's a good title you know it doesn't have a crab in it but that's okay that's good that's again very buffett very good dig it okay good title but you know myriad options for a a a a cover like that but he chooses a picture of jimmy which I didn't bother to like click on and move in and see what was up close. Cause you don't need to, he's on a boat. It's the ocean. It's saltwatery. We're whistling through our bottom teeth, even though we have the top gap tooth. Uh, 
Can you whistle through that? No, it's useless. It's useless. All it does is make you self-confident or uh, self-conscious in junior high. As if you got to freshman year and it was just like, don't care about the gap tooth. Flea is here. It's not as big as fleas. Anyway, he's on a boat on the cover of Living and Dying in three-quarter time. And on the boat, I don't have notes for my what is apparently a Jimmy Buffett podcast. Oh yeah, it says good luck on the side of the boat. It's a it's a shanty. It's a it's an icky boat. It's not an, in great kip. I don't know. I don't know if it's on the starboard side or the port side. It's on the left person side. Okay, if you're a person and you have a left arm, that's the side it's on. And it says on the side of the boat, good luck. That should be the title of the album because that's a good photo of you on a boat with a very prominent title on it. And then you have to be like. And it's not complicated, like the the type the the you know the typeface is not over the top of the boat. It's it doesn't read like living and dying in three quarter time. Jimmy Buffett, good luck. It's not like that. It's just <clears throat> you can save that, and then you go look at his next album because you have to because you're Kelly Dwyer and your wife's at work, and it's named after a highway A one A, which is a Florida highway. Cool name. That's fine. Maybe a greatest hits album, whatever. But it's got you in a you the jimmy buffett of jimmy buffett uh, uh margaritaville and 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 uh cheeseburger paradise llc <laughs> also a former drug runner as i've learned today uh red chep flippos uh archive well that's how we're gonna get to this okay so anyway the next the next album he's in a chair and he's drinking a Michelob and he's looking like and and that's where you put the living and die in, in three-quarter time and then you punt the a one a for some other time, like maybe you rethink Last Mango in Paris. Keep, I can't say Havana Daydreaming. Can't, Having a Daydreaming. Uh, it's, keep that, that's great. And of course, because I had to track down the, the origin of the parrot head thing and the Cincinnati whole deal, I happened upon a picture of a person wearing a t-shirt that says, came and went. Okay, I kind of, yeah, that person, of course, has the facial hair you think he does. Uh, I'll put it on the site someday. I will find a reason to put a parrot head joke in to a, uh, a, a Minnesota Timberwolves thing. Oh, there go the wolf. There go the nets. Oh, the, look at whose hand they're working on. with a cable television it's new it's not new we're living in my parents house for months now so the the whole thing starts with jimmy buffett let's look up this dumb stuff and uh and uh, uh oh yeah parrothead comes from their playing at a uh, at a uh at a at the roller coaster park in suburban Cincinnati, where there there isn't even a town there yet, and uh, it's years before I moved there, and uh, I guess they had a parrot giveaway. There were a couple of parrot heads going around the place because it's just you. I've done it. Like my parents got tickets to these shows that from work. And my mom would go and I would go for a song and then go, I don't like the Moody Blues. And then I'm going to go ride roller coasters. It's, it's, it's very, it's easy 
to go in between the good times of the Kings Island and the good times of a Jimmy Buffett in sort of the lean years in the, what I learned from Wikipedia were the country themed years, even with the whole last mango in Paris thing that we discussed earlier. And I'm checking out the Rolling Stone and, uh, and I'm reading this whole thing on Jimmy Buffett and how he used to, 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 to just live the life. Uh, but I found this thing called Worst Decisions in Music History. And uh, I just was talking out to the dog about it. And then uh, I said, let's pull up the, the other thing while we're waiting on this stuff to, to, to work its way through. And uh, let's make fun of uh, what Rolling Stone said about <clears throat> Reed Corbin Smith and Rolling Stone. Uh, the, the, they did a listicle recently that was less of a, uh, I think it was like the worst, yeah, it was the worst bad albums by tremendous artists of brilliant caliber that are geniuses because we're Rolling Stone and everything is five star and it's access journalism. <clears throat> and it, it, it was not a, it was really more of a listicle than it was an artistic endeavor. This I'm reading and this, it was, it's more of an artistic endeavor such as it is the the thin one that we're all into the real don't have to think about it. And I just thought we'd go through it. If you have a subscription to Rolling Stone and it shows up every three and a half weeks, um, congratulations. You have actors in your mailbox and uh, I don't know who's on the cover of Rolling Stone. Dr. Hook. That's an ugly band. That is an ugly. I know you saw me on the podcast. It's, you know, it's, we're, you know, we'll, we'll play a little basketball. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Had a great time with the Yahoo guys, uh, the hero Dan Devine, who, uh, I don't know what they let him, but yeah, he is like, I think the second or first, second arrangement uh, subscriber. And uh, what, to have a giant like him. I haven't read his next thing yesterday because. You know, I thought I stayed up late and getting back from Cincinnati. If you know Kelly, you know he likes fake jokes, okay? The whole thing about the horse and the disco and the strip club and whatever it was, that's, that's just what it... Number 50 is Elton John Goes Disco, 1979. I looked up this Johnny B. Good, and it's it's weird. Like, Elton John is a as a... I don't know. There's a difference between a dance beat and there's a difference between disco. And when you have that sameness and you're doing it in 79 instead of, you know, cranking out. So, yeah, he's a boomer. <laughs> so he's got a lot of fun dance music in the 80s and such. You know, you can keep doing drugs in the 80s. He did. Okay, number 49 is the when the Sex Pistols uh, fired Glenn Matlock and uh, replaced him with a non-musician in the form of Sid Vicious. I'm a big Ian Dury fan. He will come up later in the episode because I bought some records, and I bought an Ian Dury record because it was a dollar, but I would have dollar bought it if it was well, not that much more because I don't have much money because I had to drive down to Cincinnati. It was great at 38.7 miles of the gallon all day, 444 miles. Did a lot of wandering. But he, he put out these these crazy killer really gotta stop saying that first word albums and uh 
you listen to them and it's like, okay, it's punk, new wave, whatever, but it's got a real steely day. It's, it's smooth. It's good musicianship. It's got cracker Larry Carlton solos. And yeah, it's an avant-garde sax player. He's doing the Rashawn Roland Kirk thing. He's playing like 15 instruments in his mustachioed mouth, but, but, but Davy Payne can play when he's not on the nod. Uh, but then they lost their guy, uh, Chaz Jankel. And then Ian Dury's like, I don't know how to write. Hit me with your rhythms. Like, I know how to run the lyrics to hit me with your rhythms. I can do that right now. Let's do it. You ready? Okay. So, uh, slap me with that disco hat. Yeah, that's what he could do. And he brought in, well, he brought in a lot of drugs. They all did. And then he brought in a guitar player from a rock and roll band, one of my favorite ever, Wilco Johnson. But Wilco is not the, uh, you, can't, you can't put Wilco at a keyboard and run the band through some stuff. So, yeah, that was kind of the, the, except, you know, Wilco Johnson is one of the best ever to play his instrument. Sid Vicious is 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 not. <sighs> I was in line to see him. They were supposed to play the Park West in Chicago, but for the decision to delay a tour because of all manner of visa stuff, and uh, then when they did it again, they decided to go the literal southern route which is hilarious, but it, you know, cost a whole lot of uh, pin noses in Chicago. There now a guy who did play in Chicago about 8 trillion times. Uh, it shows my dad's work was Elvis Costello. And number 48 on the list is uh, when he won the best new artist. And like, who cares? You can pick that out every year. Like, okay, so how about well, television should have been the best, best new artist in 1975. Like, it's not like he went on to He's not he's not going to be in a Super Bowl halftime show anytime soon. Veronica. No, that's not happening. It went to Now I know every note of the first album by Rope. That thing was everywhere growing up. Pulled in my room trying to figure out how Elvis and also uh John McPhee did all those licks and those chords. It's a tremendous album. It's a great pub rock, proto, very Graham Parker-ish, tremendous. Uh, Boogie Oogie Oogie by Taste of Honey, which won the Best New Artist. I've seen Elvis Costello on the night Taj Gibson and the Bulls went up 1-0 on the Heat in 2010. Uh, I have many of his albums. I dressed like him for six or seven years. Prime years. No glasses. Oh, God, no. None of that. There will be none of that. Uh, but, you know, the look, the whole sport coat, jeans, sometimes tie. But if you go back, he's not a big skinny tie guy. These are not the cars. Uh, but Boogie Oogie Oogie is tremendous. If it didn't have those lyrics and it was called, you know, Disco Funk Spaceship 92 and wasn't a one-hit wonder, it'd be like, oh, this is a river deep mountain high level exercise in greatness. I listen to Boogie Oogie Oogie by Taste of Honey as much as I listen to Trust and Get Happy by Elvis Costello. And that's just because I can't to tell w which one of those is my favorite album. It's probably Get Happy 
gosh darn trust is good oh my gosh shout out to drugs and alcohol for both those albums all all four sides but as Nick Lowe says hey it's fine we just gave you cheaper vinyl <sighs> I remember buying that record at Broadway and uh, taking the bus home so yeah I'm okay with that Elvis did all, all right you know it wasn't it wasn't their fault he got drunk in Ohio. <laughs> 47, Adam Levine, Levine slides into the DMs. Uh, I, as with all of them, and, you know, I've been, I've been weird. I've been inappropriate. Not really, but, you know, I've, I, I, there's all manner of at reply that can be found annoying, but, but you can find butts so many other places. Is it the thing where you can just enter in the thing and the the, the the right amount of words and you get the butt? I don't know. 46, Bob Dylan releases Self-Portrait. And, uh, I mean, I, do, 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 do you want to let Bob explain that again? Not really. Oh, here's another one. Okay, so, yes, 45 is yes. I'm not a Dylanologist, okay? I love them. I love them. Hit me crazy senior year of high school. And, uh, but I've never listened to Self Portrait. I've never listened to the 80s stuff that is, what, what's the good one? Is it Knocked Out Loaded? Like, there are, I can't, like, I'm not making a joke. There's like good 80s Dylan that's not Dylan in the Dead. <sighs> but, you know, I can't remember Self Portrait. What I can remember is looking up. Yes, Buggles on YouTube to go, all right, let's see and look what this must have sounded like. Now, Yes is a prog rock band from the 70s that many care for, and I do not. I like some Yes songs. Uh, 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 there's one where Steve Howe does an incredible guitar solo. Uh, well, he does many of them. A lot of them are, you know, just because they're incredible and they defy feats of gravity, it's not usually not my thing. Uh, also, his choice in guitars are a little whack for me. Uh Lovely guy. I don't know why I just trashed him. Genevieve took a wonderful picture of me and my cat falling asleep to one of his rig rundowns once. Uh, he was still in this for, he was in Yes. Uh, he was uh, in the late 70s. Yes is, is deader than dinosaurs. And the, the singer, the weird hippie dippy singer they have, and uh, lyricist, and uh, Rick Wakeman, who's in and out of the, the band. He's their crazy keyboard. He's like the, the basically the look of prog rock. And uh, like he willing, kind of, they both kind of take one for the team. They step down and they bring in Buggles. They bring in this keyboard player from Video Killed the Radio Star, one of my kids' favorite songs when she was a toddler. Or not toddler, like, what you know, this isn't like a Twitter thing. Like, my two-year-old cannot stop with the lemonade. No, it's just, she was like five or something. However old a kid is when they can say the sing the words Video Killed the Radio Star in key. If I wanted to, if I wanted to brag about that, I bring up. Uh, I did with Dig Wanda Jackson. Uh, so you know they bring in video killer, and yeah, if you do remember that, the guy from the the video, that guy, the weird new wave looking guy. So they bring him in to front, yes, and also his, you know, and all those. It's it's not like those new wave guys just just came in from a vacuum. Of course, they all had a million S records. So they hire the keyboard player who was like, of course, Rick Wakeman is my hero. And of course, I will 
I will play this giant four-sided bank of keyboards strung up like uh, ascendant bleachers. But I will also wear a skinny tie because, yo, look over at Chris, Chris Squire. Chris Squire is one step away from wearing the, uh, if you do look up Yes Buggles, from wearing the, now he's the bass player. I can't believe I got his name right. He's a fine bass player. Ripped off Sly Stone for Thunderbolt. Roundabout. Thunderbolt by Yes. Anyway, I looked up Yes and the Buggles, and they're fine. We're going to have to hurry up. I don't even like Yes. So yeah, they hired Yes and the Buggles in 1980, and it didn't really turn out all that great. And uh, and uh, you know that was that was the end of that. Yes might be on here later for a thing they did called Union. Uh, number 44, Justin Timberlake rips off Janet Jackson's top, and she's the one. Who, I mean, yeah, good. Like seriously, what was that? Like even if it was even if it was every cynical older person's Fox News watching person's dream at the 2004 time. Then it at the very worst, your blue-eyed soul hip kid who, who sings your McDonald's ad is fifty percent complicit in this thing that none of us really watching. <clears throat> uh, something about Ticketmaster forty-two monkeys strive for a new level of artistic freedom with the experimental movie head. Now I just know head is the movie with Victor Mature in it, and. Uh, yeah, it's got some good. It's got some good tunes. It's got some really good. The tortoise, is it tortoise? The tortoise purpose. Come on, Mickey. It was right there. The tortoise purpose. Pur uh, listen, tortoise tur turtle song is good, and uh, I've never seen the monkey movie, but it was on VH1 for like one weekend. But that's how bad it was. I even had more to do in a in a high school weekend. Forty one Prince changes his name to un, an unpronounceable cliff. Now here's the thing that no one ever brings up. Number forty one, by the way, with Prince changing his name, is that it wasn't just that he changed his name and he couldn't say his name anymore, which heretofore had been Prince. We come not to dead name the unpronounceable symbol era of Prince, of that person. However, we will reference his first single off the album that he put out with that with his new name. The single, which was My Name is Prince and I Am Funky. Two things that didn't need to be said. Song needed to be said. Song is killing. Tremendous. Love it. That's my favorite era of either uh, the unpronounceable symbol or I'm big new power generation guy. And diamonds and pearls, man. Diamonds and pearls. Money money don't matter tonight. You talk about your your Macaulay Culkin mac and cheese. <clears throat> Your cheeseburger in paradise, your foods, your fictional foods that you you just you just tumble through the screen to try and eat. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. In Prince's Money Don't Matter Tonight video. Those look so good. Heavy on the I might be completely 
wrong on this. I haven't seen that video since it was on the jukebox in the 90s. Not that I was calling it in. I didn't have to. So, yeah, that bring that up more often, people, that, that the, the weirdness of not the name change. We all get the name change. He put out a bunch of, they, they mentioned here, he put out a bunch of albums they didn't want to release, and he was, he was Warner Brothers was a billion-dollar thing going on that didn't have time for even someone as superstarish as Prince. But his first sing, single was My Name is Prince, Uh, 2007, Britney Spears turns down an umbrella. 39, Chris Cornell goes R&B. Uh, you know, Britney, Britney would have been fun, fine. Different way of saying it. It would have been, been cool. The, the, the Rihanna version is cool. It's all cool. Chris Cornell going with Timberland was not cool at all because they say, say he's going R&B. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't listened. Uh, I'm not the biggest Soundgarden fan, but they, they, they friggin' tear it up. And the height of one stoned evening after the, the government gave me money, I, uh, in the throes of a pandemic, I bought, uh, uh, I his name right. I bought the Chris Cornell biography. It was great. He did a great job on it. I just know his first name, but I don't want to get his last name incorrectly. And uh, but just like mixing up with uh, with um, Timberland, it's just it's just it's two rich people getting together. Corbin Reef, yeah. <clears throat> I still probably mispronounce it, but I just I, I don't know if it was pluralized in a ways. Uh, yeah, just a guy, a rich guy sitting in a studio with another rich guy bringing his acoustic guitar in and and going, oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, we can totally do something. Okay, so what if I did something like this, Timberland said, Timberland says. And then Chris Cornell is like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. And it's just all of a sudden you have uh, Lulu or Letters to Lulu or whatever the Metallica Lou Reed thing is that's going to come up that. I don't listen. Here's the one that, that maybe like, oh, we should we should talk about this dumb thing on a podcast. Number thirty-eight. Roger Waters dares Pink Floyd to do it without him. I'm not a Pink Floyd fan. I listened to them then. I listen to them now. I, I get it. I understand it. Uh, I'm not, you know, the 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 crushing sameness of man. I get it. Okay. All right. Quiet desperation. Rock on. Okay. Cool. He plays a Strat, funky keyboard, and, uh, you know, not my style, but the occasional alarm clock. Now, I don't want an alarm clock on a rock and roll record or any record or any record that doesn't have John Lennon and Yoko Ono naked on the front. And it's just not my thing. It's many other people's thing. But they were the ultimate faceless band. Like, you know what Bonzo did? You don't know who wrote the lyrics for whatever, but you know that Robert Plant is Robert Plant's and that Ozzy is, sorry, Robert Plant. I'm going to go straight to Ozzy. But you know who these people are. In a, in a, Pink Floyd was the ultimate of... There's that guy that has that and that, and then there's, you know, do all of them have mustache? Just one of the must. I don't... 
they're faceless on purpose. So when Roger Waters leaves Pink Floyd in 85, which is a weird time to leave any rock and roll band, they're all supposed to break up in 1980. That's how this works. God, I'm so glad that my fellow hot spacers are getting the hot space exposure in whatever ad this is for. The kid listening to Cool Cat and dressing like a combination of different Freddie Mercury outfits. Because uh, I'm seeing 84 tour, I'm seeing 85, uh, you know, with the stir, you know, it's almost like the 82, but you know, it's hot spacers. So it's, and it's her call. She's not trying to be, they're not trying to be uh, period specific. It's an homage. So shout out to my fellow hot spacers. Weird time to leave a rock and roll band, a boomer classic rock band. And then, okay. So then they go out. So he leaves the band and everyone and everyone shrugs because no one knows what. Like, okay, so who does the singing? Does the guitar player does the singing, right? I don't know. It took me until the until that 2000 Live Aid, Live Live London thing for me to figure out who did what in Pink Floyd. And even then it was a little blurry. It's like, okay, so you give him the we okay. All right. So it's a okay, fine. Like, who cares? Like, your faceless rocket, like, did the crazy rock drummer leave with all the... No, no, no. It's still the prog rock keyboarder that does all the weird stuff. They're not going to get some 80s kid. No, 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 no. It's he's still... The, and the guitar player... What? So what did he do? Oh, he wrote all those crippling lyrics. And he played the bass. Boom. Oh, well, we can get another guy to play. They can get another guy to play the bass and to, to do that. I mean, it's all Walter Mitty, right? It's all Walter Mitty. Every song is just, and he's still Walter. Yeah, you can get someone else. And they did that. The, the the unfortunate telling of the reasonable mind or whatever Pink Floyd came out with in 1980, whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, that's, I thought that was a U2 song, but. I guess that's pretty okay. Then they talk, sing, and it's and then but and then and then Roger Waters toured at the same time as Pink Floyd. So just the hubris alone is outstanding. It's just out of this world. Like, go look up the dates of the Outrider tour, okay? Jimmy Page isn't going up against Robert Plant in his Zen of Three Nations tour '88 or whatever. You can't, especially all those box sets. You got to make that Zep dollar. You know, two for Tuesday is just for radio. So that that was Stone Roses take five years to finish Second Coming. Yeah, Second Coming is not a great album. And uh, the the Primal Screen second album is great, and I'll listen to that all the time, and I love it. And I like slide guitar. David Geffen sues Neil Young for not sounding like Neil Young. 93? No, that didn't. That was like earlier than that. Neil Young put out a couple of weird albums. Uh, <clears throat> computer albums. One was uh, Trans. The other one was Everybody's Rockin'. I have the uh, I have Everybody's Rockin'. Found it for it may, may have been a reckless too. 
I found it very cheap and good because it's like 28 minutes and it's, it's, it's all right. And uh, Old Ways, which has a photo of uh, my absolute dream scenario as a person on this earth. If you would like to find where Kelly Dwyer is, would like to live for the rest of his life, it is on the cover of that Neil Young album, Old Ways, an album for which I can't name a single. No one can. David Geffen couldn't. They didn't sound like hits. <laughs> so we sued him for lack of a better better phrasing not sounding like neil young and the the helicopter chaser in me um god i bet that was a thing at some point next time you see the helicopters you get in your car and you just follow them the helicopter follower in me wants to say that just david geffen and neil young did this as a way to cynically pump up their status at David Geffen's trying to get into movies, right? He's trying to get into production that goes bigger than as I've learned recently, hanging out at George Thorogood and the Delaware Destroyer sound checks. George Thorogood tells a tale. We've seen this guy in the background at all these sound checks and he doesn't know who he is, but he acts like he doesn't act like he owns a place, but he acts very comfortable. He's, he just wonders who he is at all these sound checks. And then after a million of these sound checks, Finally comes and talks to him and he says, hey, so you're doing new material? And George Thurgood says, yeah. Because if you had anything like that bad of the bone thing, let me know. And he walks away and then finds out that that guy later is David Geffen, the famous free man in Paris himself. So maybe David Geffen wants to get out of that. Let's mine the best of what George Thurgood has come up with. Rude to the staff, but in it, in it. Mean to the bus driver, it, you know, just whenever he lacks on to just hops on to bad of the bone. Geffen's got to be there, but not anymore. He wants to get into something bigger, something grander. This is pre-dreamscape, dreamscope, whatever it was, but it's 80s. So he's got to get a haircut, paint himself as a ruthless corporate. I'm not sitting in a beanbag cross-legged or, or, you know, the, the legs over the, the you know, how you sit when a beanbag, like you're in kindergarten, smoking, smoking drugs and, and talking to Joni Mitchell about what happened in Tangiers. No, no, that's not him anymore. You got to be ruthless. So he sues Neil Young. No, happy Canadian. Neil Young. And then Neil Young was like, look at this badass. I'm totally going to get a MTV video music award out of, out of this one at some point. And Geffen gets to be like, cool. Now I can produce uh Simpson Bruckheimer stuff or whatever he did to make his trillions. I don't know. Did he traffic cocaine too? Like Jimmy Butler, <clears throat> Jane's addiction. Okay. So we leaving that one, whatever that was. Yeah. David Geffen 35 Jane's addiction breakup with it. Yeah. That was weird. That was absolutely weird because I I was buddies with older people that had you're not going to be a nine and ten year old looking at those Jane's Addiction CDs, uh, untouched by uh, by BMG or Walmart or whatever the the original covers and be like, okay, what's this? And they were cranking that all the time, and then it was just everything was happening, and then they weren't going to be around in ninety two hits, and they're not around. 
kids loved been caught stealing. Loved it. Loved it. He's putting the turkey in the dress. Or she's putting the turkey in the dress. You know, uh, uh, Dave Navarro's throwing celery. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And they're so, we were so ready for it. We're coming down the mountain too for the next three years that it was just, oh, this is before I knew that Gish was out there to kind of satiate, you know, because I didn't hear Gish until after uh, Siamese Dream because none of those older fans, friends, uh, they all thought Billy Corbin was a weaselly little weasel weasel. Uh, anyway, it was, it was, yeah, everyone wanted that, that, uh, alternative Led Zeppelin <clears throat> and it wasn't there and it turned into grunge and, uh, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't there after 91 and I was so freaked out for it that we enjoyed one hot minute by the chili peppers. Didn't enjoy it, didn't buy it, but loved hearing that song on MTV and the radio and over kids' houses. Oh, when Porno for Pyros came out, I was like, okay, this is, I mean, they, they make great pets. Robin Thicke don't care about Kiss. Kiss try to make a serious concept. Elder, I of course I have thoughts on the Elder by Kiss. I do not want to put anyone down that was a Kiss fan at the time or may have been a 12-year-old in 1981 when this album, for the background, a Kiss at not really a low point. They were still kind of, big they'd have the disco hits they were they'd come back from the the you know were a band full of net but they hadn't done creatures of the night they hadn't re, redone their heavy metal bona fides yet still i believe the original band ace freely was in the band they decided to recruit bob ezrin famed alice cooper and pink floyd producer to uh try not to read what they're saying because i can't read i can just uh yeah yeah so they put they put together a concept album about a a a, a character named the boy who fights all the evil people and it, it was going to be tommy against what turned into uh, uh twisted sister videos and frankly i'm sorry it gets bad reviews <clears throat> as if it was a terrible idea at the time contextually no 1981 was basically 1978 and no one was buying as many albums as they were 1977 but in terms of selling a kiss amount of albums for 1981 on a concept album for kids. How many of these young think of the kid from the rush video is when I try to picture 1981, I really just picture that rush video of that kid being bullied at school because he has those glasses and likes rush. And because those other kids have a really cool car. And they're probably listening to better than music than Rush. I like Rush. I like, what was it? Signal, Sensibles. Uh, sorry, Sean Eichen. But, you know, if those kids are listening to Trust by Elvis Costello and the Attractions while they're making fun of that kid who's playing Dungeons and Dragons, sorry for all these tropes, but Space Invaders. But dropping a Space Invaders album with full of chunky riffs and goblins and ghouls and and it's it's easier to follow than Tommy. Yeah, that that, that was not a bad idea. Contextually, it is a terrible idea. Okay? And I get it. But for them, for them, 
for them. Think of these poor guys. You're you're dealing with Gene Simmons. You're dealing with Paul Stanton. These are not these are not minds that you have to fear. These are minds that you have to encourage because otherwise they'll they'll, they'll go on to become radio DJs. And with they just make the occasional album, then they're less harmful than just being on every morning while thousands of people are driving to work. Yes, I did listen to Lick It Up on the way back. So I just, I, it wasn't a bad album. They're just Kiss. They're not that good. And uh, Gene Simmons, that was the one time I would say the Kiss to come to the critics, said many years later, we wanted a critical success and we lost our minds. And I'm sure other people are on the other side of this podcast yelling that Lou Reed did write some songs on this album. And uh, number 32, the New York Dolls embraced communism. Again, like, ha, 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 we're all socialists now, jokes aside. When I read that that happened, I think it may have been <laughs> in Guitar World interview with Steve Jones. <clears throat> and uh, the New York Dolls toured England late in their, uh, let's see what it says. It doesn't say what, it says 74. I thought it was a little later in the game. I thought it was like 76. Uh, they they went over to England and the, the, the high heels and, and glitter and, I, and mascara wasn't shocking anyone anymore, at least of all in uh, <clears throat> the home of Shakespeare and the round. And they had to come up with something. And Malcolm McLaren, the Sex Pistols manager, was their manager. And he decided to outfit them in uh, uh, red flags and hammer and sickle. And okay, at least they admit that it was ignored. So it wasn't really a bad idea. It was just something that the New York Dolls did because they they were you know they were. He should have known to go to have gone with the Queen. You got a bunch of of, uh, of of guys over there talking about Dave talking like David Johansson and Syl, Sylvan Sylvanius of Sylvan all the other guys in the New York Dolls. They're gonna they're gonna immediately put English off no matter what, because at that point we're all, if I'm living in 1975, it's a very New York centric time. Okay. Uh, in 31, Leonard Cohen makes a record with Phil Spector, 77. Okay. It, it looks like they're just putting all the, Oh, it wasn't a hit. Yeah, 19, I know more about this one. 1930 spin doctors release Cleopatra's cat. I know about this one because probably once a day I end up for whatever reason, and now it's been coming up on 30 years, I will sing the riff or the hook to Cleopatra's Cat and Me. It is like Jingle Bells. It is just something that if I get in an elevator and nothing, it just, it just pops into my head. It's their follow-up to the album with all the hits on it. My dad bought both albums. Like everyone else, he listened to the uh, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong album three trillion times. <clears throat> and uh, Cleopatra's Cat. I mean, if he got through it, good for him. It's not objectionable. I wonder if they mention it, but it is like 80 minutes long. <clears throat> and for a lot of these, I do... Uh, 
Yeah, okay. So, like, releasing Cleopatra's Cat as a single, lead single, fine. As someone who was around this summer of ni- 1994, all they touch, that band touches, turns to gold. It's still Blues Traveler, and the hook is bringing us back. You know, all that is happening. There was no reason why Cleopatra's Cat at a time where Steve, people were still going out and buying everything and listening to everything and it was corporate, corporate, corporate. That couldn't have been a hit single because people bought junk. So, you know, yes, it did fail, but it it it's not like it. The Dion Ferris song was better. Definitely. By a lot. That's a great song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, little Chris Barron literally scatted his vocals, misspelled Chris Barron, whom we all know on Twitter. We all know how to spell his name. References packs references to Mark Anthony Brutus and Centurions, which completely went completely over the head of a Spin Doctor's teenage audience. Okay, so I was fourteen when this album came out. I don't know anyone. Like, we all liked Little Miss Can't Be Wrong when it came out, and then Two Princes on the heels of that. I was like, okay, this is still going. This is pretty good. Okay. Doesn't appear that there's a room in this building where you can go where one of these two songs won't be playing. Uh, it was just, you never had to buy. None of us were ever fans, I don't think. I don't recall anyone writing Spin Doctors. It would have been like later writing Hootie. On your thes, that I couldn't imagine that being a thing unless you were like a graduating senior and just so set in your ways that it's just. And this is this is in terms of not the people that saw the McGrew Fest '90 where they did a 42 minute jam of uh, Big Fat Funky Booty. Oh my God, pull that out. Okay, so what time is it? 4:30. Um, but but no, that stuff didn't go over the heads of teenagers. That's 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 fourth, fifth, sixth grade uh, Greek. Get out of here. Also, who's this guy on the on the stage with the uh, Chris Barron? Okay, uh, nineteen ninety four Guns N' Roses to begin work on Chinese. That's uh, that's fine. That opened up the room for for Slash's Snake Bit and the uh, the Gilby Gilby Clark, the Dizzy Clark. Who's Dizzy? Fuck is Dizzy. Gilby Clark, he replaced Izzy. Izzy's on keyboards now, but I can't remember his last name. And uh, Duff is on a plane with Kurt Cobain. And uh, <clears throat> I remember when Yesterday's came out as a sig- single, and it was just it's like, oh, wow, they're still doing songs off this. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I can feel something for Guns N' Roses. But by 94, everyone really wanted them to take a break. And then by 98 was the time to come back because that was when everyone was like, you know what we really miss are the real rock stars. And you know what rappers are really the real rock stars. You know what I'm thinking? I know a friend with a five-string bass, and I'm just going to rap over time. It was, that was the time to do it, which, of course, predated that all of us were in dirty jeans inside whatever city we lived in in 2001. Uh, but, yeah, the time for Chinese democracy would have been around the time of your, your generation swine. You know, we got excited for black and white Motley Crue coming back. Vince Neil hitting zero notes on Conan. 
because it was like, oh, okay, this isn't the aforementioned VH1 rock. This is not the Joan Osborne song. Oh. So, yeah, I don't know anything about, it's about Chinese democracy. I, but, you know, Buckethead, Brian May came in for some of it. He should have hired a Slash. Should have brought in a, 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 a Slash. 28, Van Halen hired the guy from Extreme to be the new, new singer. Of course, I have extreme opinions on this. Uh, contextually, was not a bad idea. They were turning into a uh, Bon Jovi kind of uh, band. Because you, I keep forgetting that. It, I always think it's like, oh, they did Right Now for Unlawful Carnal, and they put out a live album, and then Gary Sharoni. Forget about 1995's Balance, featuring a horrible, horrible cover. Two, two, like one baby posed twice to look like it was attached and just on a, I don't know, a teeter-totter, seesaw, circular saw, terrible album cover. And it had an album, the power ballad that they played at a dance that I remember uh, being asked to and attending and uh, in high school and uh, like right after I moved here. Wow. The mighty VH. So they're getting into that territory. So to bring in a Gen X screamo guy with the, the very least the the sort of you know you're not having to introduce a john karabi to the to the radio programmers of the world you're you're introducing the guy from extreme uh but the problem was that eddie drank wine all day and uh and uh was just full of not good songs and they brought in mike post to produce it which was weird and uh eddie was so far gone it was the beginning of the eddie and alex are just in their own world uh complication that uh sustains to this day uh ask uh 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 eddie's son wolfgang uh it's like why why hasn't there been a gentleman who we all love from Foo Fighters passed away. And before the end of that weekend, there were, there were two tribute shows lined up at the Foreman Wembley. Why hasn't there been an Eddie Van Halen tapathon? You know, anyone could get on there and do, like, it doesn't have to be your picture of 1987 strutting on stage. And Oh my God, we listen to Satriani. I don't want to listen to Satriani. I'm not here for Vi. I never liked those fellas. What I do know is that I don't know a single Chris Stapleton song. I don't know what he sounds like, but I do know that Chris Stapleton on his Telecaster and Fender amp can play Eruption 100% and burn on that. And so can pick a country, not your Vince Gill, your maybe not Eruption, but these guys can wail. It can be everyone. You know, Dave Grohl spent three months in his in his in his office trying to figure out how to play Eruption, but the other four guitarists and Foo Fighters there to help him figure out how to play or how to teach him how to play it. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, they brought the guy from Extreme in in like '97, and and uh, you know, where were you at 1997? Were you needing a Van Halen album with the guy from Extreme? Uh, no, probably should have taken a little longer, but there was money to make for a lot of people. They had to get on the road. They had to go buy new overalls for Eddie that matched the color and pattern of his guitar. 
And, uh, and yeah, uh, I don't know. Stream is good, man. Porno graffiti one, two, four, six. I, I, I long time listeners know I, I'm not an extreme fan, but I do love one song. And I can't remember the title too. It's off, it's off, it's off three sides to every story. Because piece of chance, give piece of chance, someone give piece of chance. Lyrics aren't all that great, but the guitar. 27, Elvis Presley turns down a role in A Star is Born 1976. Yeah, that would have been some dope stuff. You know? I'm not here to listen to Chris Christopherson mumble. The only time you can hear this guy is when he falls off his bike. Uh, 26, Mountain Doesn't Feel Like Being in the Woodstock Movie. Oh, okay. Did that stop Mountain from... Mountain was huge, and then they weren't huge anymore because no one was digging Mississippi Queen-styled music anymore. That was not the reason they... Did it cost them money, I suppose? Mm, Trying to read the thing. I'm 26. Mountain. Is anyone here born in the 2000s? Have you heard of Mountain? Outside of like, I, subs- I, I occasionally am on the Howard Stern channel for some reason. And he had this Leslie West. Is that it? Yes, that's him. <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred it to. The thing with the Woodstock movie is you have 10 minutes of that guy going, I'm going home, Alvin Lee, which is fine for two of it. And I'm a guitar guy. I have that guitar. It's red, too. Doesn't have a peace sign on it. But so, you know, you cut that up little mountain here. Kind of fall back on a catchphrase, but a little chuglin in the middle there. Find the good, the only 20 seconds of the two and a half, four minutes, possibly. Is it possible for the Grateful Dead to have a four-minute live song? Find the only four minutes of that that are out there. Uh, you know, put that in and, and, and instead of the eight minutes of Alvin Lee telling you where he's going. Keep the 20 minutes of Richie of uh, uh, Havens going because that was, that was tremendous. Oh, God. 25, Warner Brothers gives REM 80 million right before their career starts to crater. Uh, the funny thing is REM were, were, were well suited to weather the weirdness that was 1996 through 2004. I want to say, was that, a, is that an era? Decided to light a candle. Uh, 24 DD quits Thermones and makes a rap album. Um, in terms of all the bad decisions ZD Ramon made in just 88-89, that was way... 80 million to... to aren't, like, who cares? All that stuff is record companies showing off. And... Uh, I just... I don't have an opinion about R.E.M. They are... They are. MC Hammer goes gangsta. Okay, so yeah, everyone made fun of him at the time. It was hilarious. What he should have done is just... <clears throat> he should have just transitioned to some sort of... Uh, you know, everyone has a home on the jazz cruise, right? Everyone has a home at the casino. Everyone has... So if he just transitions into like some... 
occasionally rapping R&B pop croony type and let someone else write a couple of tunes from him, then he's fine. But he, we, we, we all, we, you know, we saw, we saw his thing. Uh, Molly Crew, 22, firing Vince Neil and making an industrial album. Before I mentioned John Krog, never listened to it. Wasn't an, an industrial album. Um, the only issue is just with all these bands is that you just, you didn't have to make any albums. You just had to kind of wait until inspiration struck. But the, the, company was not allowing for it um i remember when all those bands would come out with albums and you were just hoping that they wouldn't hit because i remember feeling our buddies at the time a little click of uh you just hoped because bon jovi happened and Bon, bon jovi wouldn't go away Bon Jovi came back and it had hits and it was like, oh, we still have Bon Jovi. And you're hoping that the one of these Motley Crues wasn't going to come back and have a hit in the in a rockin' grungy or even like, I guess they could probably have another power ballad hit too. Uh, but that that would stick. Not that you would like, oh, it's a Dirty secret. I love that new Motley Crue track. It's not. It's not that. If it rocked out, we'd be happy to take them. Like, look at them, because because Motley Crue has fun, good songs. Uh, decade of decadence, man, and it was. <clears throat> but you just got that little feeling, like you weren't rooting for them to lose, but it was just like we didn't need it. We didn't need extra. There were so many albums, and they all cost seventeen bucks, twenty one. Scooter Braun pisses off Taylor Swift. Who? Seriously, who? I'm uh, by context. Context. I'm skipping through it. Shirts and ex-boyfriend. I'm sure the album is tremendous. Scooter Braun. To me, I know we're all saying it. He sounds like a shortstop. Sounds like a shortstop. Central Division Twenty. Shook Knight addresses the 1995. That was, you know, I don't know if I should comment on. It was hilarious dancing <laughs> it was so funny uh 19 beach boys skipped the monterey pop festival <clears throat> excuse me yes that was a terrible idea and i tell you why uh go look up the association on monterey pop festival rayman's eric has a bit i learned later i'll start with a bit where he's like they brought the association to monterey pop festival to do the wind sings Mary, Chai's Mary, whatever. But they wouldn't bring the doors. Voice of Los Angeles, countercultural. And uh, before I heard him complaining like a little Ray Man's Eric over it, uh, I was like, oh, the association where it, I didn't know that that was a band capable of playing in a live performance. Everything I know of the association is, you no know, offense to the association, but AM. 60s hits and i went there and they did a really dumb thing to start the show which i think we've talked about on the podcast before that probably went over really really well at all those uh high school places that they were apparently there was like a real like high school and college cafeteria circuit in the 60s go look at a at a who uh gigography like real like let's put the formica tables 
in one spot and put the amps on top of the, t- you know, like that sort of thing. The rush joke that they made at the end of the tour that Sean High can help me out with. Uh, anyway, I watched the, so they were great. They were great. I loved the association on there. They were so much better than, than I've seen uh, Jim Morrison and his doors live at the Hollywood Bowl. They're like, okay, mom, I'm coming down the hall. I'm going to, I'm going to go to film school. Ah, you know, that whole thing. I get it. But the association, those are hooks. And I tell you what the association do have. It's a goddamn bass player. So, sorry, in the second hour, the never too much pause. So, oh, yeah, Beach Boys, because they would have been, like, they would have had Glenn Campbell or something with them, or they would have, you know, they would have had the few, gotten a full Jardine. 100% on that. And, uh, 18. Oh, wow. So here's the picture. I've never, I've seen it. When I was 12, I got, I found a David Bowie biography written by a gentleman, also a Jim Morrison biography that was famous. David Bowie biography was less so, even though it came out at the height of Let's Dance. It was an unauthorized biography. David did not take part. And uh, the author, who I believe is Jerry Hopkins, but that also might be a bass player as well. You never know with my brain. Uh, it's, it told me all about the Nazi stuff, and I was like, okay, well, he's on cocaine. You just, he's clearly not sleeping. I'm I'm in junior high, and I know this. Not cool, but I hadn't seen the photo until now, and yeah, he's, he's half given that Nazi. He was turned. The most annoying thing of that book and that whole scene was that he kept calling Iggy Pop, the author, kept calling him James Osterberg. James Osterberg, Osterberg which is his name. Jimmy. He wasn't Iggy Pop at the time of the book's publication wasn't trying to David Johansson himself. He wasn't trying to come back as that. He wasn't like, let me be respectful. Iggy Pop Harry wants to be known as that. Or he told, no, no, it was just like, I'm going to call him by his real name. While he's writing a, da- a biography about David Jones. Oh, it's a great biography. I enjoyed it. I was like, is that a picture of Peter Frampton? Yes, it is. Speedies and Peter Frampton, number 17, make a film version of Sgt. Pepper's Only Arts Club Band. <clears throat> Peter Frampton is one of my favorite guitar players of all time. His work on the first four Humble Pie albums are a huge influence on me. I've never listened to any of the live album outside of a little bit in a dorm once when I went, oh, the Shine On is on here? Yeah, play that. And then play Jumpin' Jack Flash, and I'm not going to. I'm going to hit it. Anyway, yeah, it's a weird. I've seen some of it. Kids today don't know the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper completely untrue completely untrue and i understand the beatles money making machine was at its worst ebb in the late 70s i get it it was not a let's have put out an anthology every eight years let's put ringo and, and paul in a, on a circuit let's cut it no no none of that you got they had plenty of beatles stuff and frankly every blinking sandy day o'connor variety show i know i chose a supreme court justice variety show of those 70s eras which all three channels seem to be completely filled with four nights a week followed by bowling uh used to have like the tribute to the beer it'll help for my friends so yeah that was a bad idea france and just aligning yourself with bgs in the first in 79 in the first place is just like go let them be Oh, look, it's our favorite commercial about the guy that puts a laptop next to his. Fellas, aren't we always heading to dive into the tub? 
I thought about that joke for a while and the implications of the, you know, like, I don't want to be another guy saying guys don't do, guys don't do certain things, not into certain ways, not amenable to how bubbles can just soothe you from the inside out. Didn't grow up with the Calgon ad and wondered someday a bath of my own. But sports games take a while. You're going to take, at best, and this isn't a ha-ha gross joke, but you're going to take light reading, a Maxim, an FHM, something like that. Whatever it is for, for, for fellas, it's just, it's different, but it's got to be light. Because you're in a bath, and that's not going to... You're going to stand up and you'll be like, all right, let's see what it's like to have a shower in the bath at the same time. And then the water's going to get, it's, it's like, you're going to be, you're going to be done with it. You're going to take a shower and it's going to take all that time. And this is not a big game situation. Maybe if he had to prepare for a podcast, there's a lot of writers, a lot of industry people listen, follow second arrangement. Maybe that's a thing. Odd advertisement. Number 16, Malatalica takes us on own fans over Napster. Uh, the thing that people don't bring up is that, because uh, I was around for all of this to a hyper degree, not as a Napster Noah or Metallica Noah, but a Napster Noah. Uh, it, it wasn't that they were given away Master of Puppets, which I listened to all the way through on a radio station for the first time since... 1993, maybe. And, uh, oh boy, interesting drums, Lars. Interesting. Yeah, that is not a good sounding album. It's fine. I'm sure it's a fun song to head bang your head tune live, but that is. I was like, I got to stick on this station to see what. Just the idea of, of any radio station playing Cliff Burton era. Anyway, it's a classic rock station. Classic rock is Master of Puppets now. Anyway, they, they they had a song that was a... It wasn't that they were giving away the Black Album. They were they, they had a song that was not mixed yet. And that is takes an hour to, put a, to lay a song down. Done. Boom. Maybe we'll punch in here and there or whatever, but we're done. And it takes three weeks to work on mixes sometimes. Not sometimes, all the time. Or it takes another hour. It doesn't matter, but mixes can take forever. And you don't like the way someone does it. You fly in someone who's making tens of thousands of dollars an hour or whatever it is to just, because this was, you know, before the age of Napster. It's a mix. Mixes are important and important to musicians more than just about anything else. They'd rather a live acoustic version of it with lyrics about an ex-girlfriend would rather show up than, a, than an unmixed studio something. And that's what no one really talked about, the fact that it was also being used for an ungodly amount of uh, what later became the BitTorrent thing and what we're using FTPs for, which was a lot of live albums and bootlegs, stuff you couldn't get from Andy Metzger's site. I mean, the Steely Dan fan in 1998-99 was good. You had a whole site with rarities on there you could just right-click on. 15... Ashley Simpson plays SNL and she probably should have called and said, no, she just shouldn't have, they shouldn't have let her 
say anything when she said that dumb thing and then she they shouldn't have let her play that football thing but like so what she wanted to be a superstar and she got more out of it than than, than having it not would you have remembered that ashley simpson played on snl if that hadn't happened no way you would have assumed it but you wouldn't have remembered it 14 beatles were bigger than jesus well i mean have you heard fucking revolver Artificial double tracking. Planging. 13, Chris Gaines. <clears throat> yeah, everyone made fun of him right away. Remember being in a Walmart. Because you're in college and you get the rare trip to Walmart to go get three months worth of goods. How, how many how many bars of soap will I need? Uh, and seeing the Chris Gaines stacks everywhere going... Boy, I guess they're just because it was a it, contextually going back to that VH1 rock, not necessarily Matchbox 20 in your blink or not blinks, but your uh, not necessarily Matchbox 20, but just that light rock scene. There was no reason that Chris Gaines doing a Hollywood, you know, if Cheryl Crow would come out with that sort of thing, I'm going to be this name that came into my head was Sasha Fierce. And had I said it out loud, my wife would have stumbled in through the door and uh, taken me out with uh, some form of probably a record, probably a vinyl record. Uh, but if like, you know, Cheryl Crow had done something, if anyone had done a dumb in character thing in 1999, it probably would have passed. The songs weren't hits. And if and if the song and it, if the songs were hits, it would have been less of a thing that to, it produced two. Hits even in in the, the the right touch of which I feel and love on the left side of the tracks, but you know those would have absolutely fit right in on the Big Daddy soundtrack next to Cheryl Crow, completely out of completely out of uh, ideas doing a a uh, open mic night version of Sweet Child of Mine. Like it was such that it was not a scene, man. It back with that Midnight Vultures album and having people go, this is R&B, this is rhythm and blues. It was a very light, light area where it could have succeeded. It was not ridiculous. Oh, here comes Mardi Gras, another uh, Todd in the Shadows. Go look him up. It was a very funny thing. Yeah. TCR uh, guys wanted to write songs. And just like everyone kind of thinks they can do it, but it's really hard to. Because there's there's two types there's there's two types of songwriters. There are the ones that hear the songs that they write and go, "Oh, that sounds like everything else. I don't want to keep going down this path. Either it's for good or with their music or whatever." And then there's the people that do something and they go, "Oh, that sounds like something else. Whatever. I'm writing a song." And those people are Beethoven. Fagan and Becker, uh, Paul McCartney, uh, uh, the aforementioned Wilco. Those are all great ones. They're able to move past that. But in that sphere of creative risk are also the guys from CCR. One of them looks like Mark Marin, and uh, the other guy with the beard. And they get to that point where it's like, okay, we're writing this. It sounds like something else. But it's good. We're going to keep... No, they shouldn't have. No. 
I'm sure you were having a good time. The Doors were having a good time. I've seen them. They have a we talk a song like Whipping Wheel or something, or like right on the round carousel wheel. We're all doing a show. It's terrible, but they're having a good time. Doors might be coming up on here with that thing because that album cover. The album cover, if it isn't listed on this list, the album cover is worse than anything the Doors have ever done, including carrying on without Jim Morrison, that weird poetry album they put out with the slap bass in the eighties and Jim doing poetry. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, the CCR put out called Mardi Gras and the cynic in you wants to say, well, maybe Fogarty was out of songs and he didn't want to take the creative risk. There's a lot going on in 72. It's not 68. It's not 69. It's not 70. And uh, maybe my stuff, my swampy stuff is going to be a little outdated, a little outmoded, a little on it because he didn't really have any great songs on there. But then he put out almost Saturday night a couple years later. So mm. number 11, C. Van Zandt quits E Street Band just before Born in the USA tour. Oh, my. Oh, 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 my. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And like little Stevie was an 80s fixture it was not nothing it was nothing in the 90s yeah 100 percent. but like he was an 80s not just because of sunset it was just like that's little steven look they're gonna bring him back to do the mandolin on that song Ooh man you made nils lofgren a lot of money okay well you know there you go Billy Squire obliterates number 10 is <clears throat> career with one cheesy music video yeah i mean i don't want to I'd really like to be like, who cares? It was the 80s. Everyone was wearing uh, the, the piece, wearing like a pink exercise outfit. Everyone was doing weird jumping arounds. I'm still standing. Yeah, but it was just weird. It was weird. It's a weird video. Also, like no one wanted to hear that music, like that Rock Me Tonight music. I don't know what his next album sounded like, but like... It's not like Quarter Flash were having big hits after that. It's the late 80s were not a big hard rock and Billy Squire time. It was either hair metal or, or uh, dentist music. E2 gives their new album away for free on iTunes 2014. I did not, I still had a Blackberry then. So, uh, so I didn't get it. Um, wow. I mean, I guess I remain to be persuaded on both sides of that whole terrible thing that happened. Ja Rule invests in the fire festival number eight. I've never seen the, the, the thing documentaries just, you know, <laughs> it's a heck of an experience. I mean, all these gosh darn millennials with money got to go all over Bermuda, Jamaica, the Bahamas and and uh, you know, not not too many of them have a fire festival story. Come on, you walk into a bar, and there's there's a young lady wearing sweatpants and uh, some form of uh, uh, shirt and Doc Martens, and she's sitting cross-legged at the bar enjoying a drink. She's right next to a gentleman wearing a flannel, long hair, 
ponytail, looking all the all the more like the the, the other guy from CCR wrote the bad songs. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, you should have seen it. Fucking Woodstock. It was the greatest. It was like fucking <clears throat> no one talks about Mountain. Everyone talks about I got Buddy at Rolling Stone who talks about Mountain. But that's it. I was just Mountain, man. Mountain should have been in that movie. But that movie, Mountain would have been in that movie. It would have been Mountain Feather out for the 70s. It would have been it would have been Sunny and Cher and Mountain. It would have been uh, uh, the Bee Gees. No, thank you. Mountain. Mountain and Peter Frampton and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Mountain. Mississippi Queen. Let's change the entire river's name to Mountain. Name my kid Felix Papillardi. And he's talking all about Woodstock, and I've been to Woodstock. <clears throat> and then that young lady, you know, sips her drink and, and, and uh, takes a tug off her pen and <clears throat> looks straight out in the bar and then says, Fire Festival, out loud. And the bartender that knows this story comes over, and uh, she just... Proceeds to obliterate the bar by talking about the fact that she was at Fire Festival. That old hippie's got nothing on that. Nothing. Altamont, get out of here. Get out of here. Okay, so you didn't see anything, first of all. Everyone at Fire Festival got the Fire Festival experience. Not everyone in Woodstock got the bad acid. Not everyone got to have sex. Not everyone got a good seat to stay around to see Hendrix. Not everyone got to, like, go, man, the dead were actually good before the wind started picking. It wasn't all like that. Everyone that went to Fire Festival got blasted with whatever decision Ja Rule and the rest of those coke sniffers made on their way to stealing all that money. All of it's great. Frankly, it should have been number one. Number seven, blood, sweat, and tears do the, yeah, that, that, that tour that they just try to make a documentary over it to try to explain away. But, I mean, they were always square. <clears throat> Once they got rid of Al Cooper, they were super square. What? No, come on. That's... <clears throat> My dad was at the top of that, uh, you know, Look out for the love and spoonful because they're all narcs and all that sort of. He didn't even remember when I brought it up. Uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift. I don't care. They're both trillionaires. Woodstock 99. Uh, yeah, that's my generation. That's uh, the, the elder millennials. No. Anyone who says that phrase enjoys the music of the bands that were at Woodstock 99. So. Okay, number four is Clapton going in on uh... <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, Woodstock 99. <clears throat> I, I, you know, we all saw it coming. All the entire front of the 90s was just because for a while there it was all alt-rock had mosh pits. And uh so it didn't have to be thuggish or ruggish or punkish. If it had a loud, quiet, loud thing going for it, it was a mosh. And young women were in the mosh. And immediately when you saw them up, it'd just be like they're, everyone was being cool except for one guy. And it's just the whole stadium full of them makes sense. Boy, I hope these next three are fun. Uh, Decca Records passes on signing the Beatles. I have been... First Beatle that come to America was George Harrison. Before Beatle Mania, he went to a rural southern Illinois, uh, stayed at a house, which I've been in a few times, uh, which is now, I don't know if it's still open as a Beatle bed and breakfast, uh, but it was where his sister Louise lived. And uh, uh, I have an uncle and his uh, father who uh, they've had a, it's a whole, it's a whole fun thing. Deco record passes 
on signing the Beatles. Uh, oh, man, these are all very, very grim. Uh, number two, Jerry Lee Lewis marries his underage cousin. Okay, number one is Rolling Stones hire the Hells Angels. It's, I guess that was a bad decision. Uh, yeah, gentleman that passed away, uh, you know, he wore a striking green suit. He picked up his date that morning at her parents' house. Uh, he, like the rest of the festival, were absolutely whacked out on all manner of, uh, all the, the, all the grimy, icky STP shit I think they were using down on, on Haight-Ashbury was still there. It was just a junky scene. It was a trash scene. And, uh, and, uh, let's pull these albums out. Worst decision? In music history that I can think of? Uh, no, nah, man, they're all putting it out there. I was thinking of Faith the other day, because I was a real, like, really young when Faith came out, like seven, eight years old, so I wasn't. But your teen pop sensation, George Michael, and then you come out and you're doing a Boat Italy beat on an acoustic guitar. Rock on, dude. <sighs> he comes up in some of these lists, but what about a chance like that coming out and doing that? And then the next three, four years was that weird sort of rock set, uh, wild, wild west, you know, that, uh, Tim Buck three sort of thing. Not the George Michael. <clears throat> I bought a Ray Bryant. I went, I immediately go for not a lot of surprises in here. There's a record store right next to the place. And I thought I could get a uh, free parking, not free parking. I thought I could park, in the place of the concert, but someone beat me to the spot. Uh, the the wife of the person who beat me to the spot thought I was trying to steal the spot, and uh, got out, and stared at me. Didn't didn't tell. Didn't like point to the spot that there was a car coming out. She didn't didn't help. It just came out and like stared. You know, just a woman in her fifties and sixties, and yeah. So that was a rude entrance, and I, then I later found my own free parking and uh, left the car just as it started to rain, went back into the hoodie over the, under the sport coat. I did one of those. Yeah. A real sports writer on TV. Went to the show at a tremendous time. Larry Carlton. We'll talk maybe about him later. It's hundred hour and 26. Ray Bryant. He's a uh, piano player. There's a dollar on his own. He's more of a uh, gospel feel. And uh, stealing the end fans can tell me where that reference is from. And uh, I just reached inside and realized this record doesn't have a sleeve. Uh, a lot of Beatles albums. Uh, I got Rapture. This better have a sleeve. It does, but it's not in it. Not a good start, people. Is it? I didn't look at them because it's dollar. I always go to the dollar section because you can get good R&B. So I was surprised to see they're like good but unheralded R&B, and uh, especially in the Midwest. So I was surprised to see Rapture. So that's a pretty popular. <laughs> album usually don't see rapture in there you know like songs in the key of life right next to it or something uh so i'll have to check on quality what you do usually see i've told people to go get is ronnie laws and of course i've found a ronnie laws album in here flame the title track on this is terrific why oh yeah philip bailey's on this and again is it like some sort of record store thing where you're not supposed to put them in the sleeve because it hurts the i don't know i got last well, i got the enduri record uh, the last Black Hats record made a point of not putting singles on his record. This one is in the sleeve. And, uh, yeah, where's the guy that we were talking about? Chaz Jankel. There's Ian. Uh, tremendous songs on this one. 
quiet is in my head right now. Uh, Sink my boats. I listen to a lot. It reminds me of a Crusader song, and uh, it's 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 a it's a fun album. Fun, fun album. It's called Do It Yourself. This last album is by Traffic. It's called Last Exit. They do that Nina Simone song. I guess it's an Andy Newley song. They do Feeling Good, and uh, but it's got medicated glue on it. Classic. Something's got a hold of my toe, and. Uh, Dave Mason sung just for you. And of course, say it with me, Shanghai Noodle Factory. Uh, I love this album. I listened to this album a lot when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, I think it's like a contractual obligation sort of deal. Half live, half singles, half whatever. It's tremendous. I love traffic. Uh, when I think of this album, I think of listening to it right before uh, games, semifinal games in the 97 playoffs where the Bulls were briefly having a little trouble with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I have fun doing that. Uh, thank you for listening to me talk about mostly Boomer Rock for a while. But like I said, I have, I have Gary Sharon opinions. <clears throat> and if the album had hooks, you know, I, I just don't know what Van Halen is sliding in with because it's, it's even the balance stuff, you know, looking back in retrospect, it's all very... It's very harsh when, you know, really we weren't looking to be reminded of how heavy and hard and cool they were. We were just looking to be reminded of what it felt like to miss a gear on a car, but have it not matter because you really like the way it sounds. And uh, uh, to also be drinking with the beer between your legs. Is that what I was getting from? I also listen to Panama because I know how to party. 